Hi, listeners. I'm my name is Skylar Carroll. I'm the producer of the podcast and uh, the co-host. I'm Dustin Barton, historian, beer enthusiast, and host of the Heavy Pour. All right. So my thought for the Heavy Pour was to start at something that could be considered an origin. Why do we call America America? Okay, I like that. Do you know why? I I don't know. Okay, why I actually no. <laughs> So it comes from an Italian do you, dude. Do you know why? <laughs> an Italian dude in the 1500s. Uh, his name was Amerigo Vespucci. But if you Latinize his name, it's Americo. Okay. Um, and he visited Brazil in 1502. So literally 10 years after Columbus landed in the West Indies, right? Okay. So this is the time p- period where basically Spain just went, holy shit, there's land. Let's go. Let's send all the ships. Right. And they sent tons of explorers. I mean, some that you probably have heard of. Pizarro. They talk about Francisco Pizarro yep. in high school history classes all the time. Um, I think he was... No, Ponce de Leon. He was the mm-hmm. moron who went searching for the Fountain of Youth in right. the Everglades, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's tons of people crossing the Atlantic from Spain, Um Especially right around 1500, it's mostly from Spain. Portugal kind of had uh, like a death grip on the spice trade going south around um, the southern tip of Africa. Yeah. The reason that Columbus, quote unquote, discovered America was because the Spanish and the Portuguese made a, a pact that the Portuguese owned that route. And so the Spanish had to find another. Okay. So anyways, most of the explorers in this early period were Spanish or were basically given money by the Spanish crown yeah. to, cert- to explore on the Spanish crown's behalf. Okay. Amerigo Vespucci was one of them. He was Italian, just like Christopher Columbus, who's actually Italian, yeah. um, because Italy couldn't afford shit at this time. Yeah. Um, so Vespucci explores uh, Brazil. And a little bit of the West Indies, like um, Barbados, today, what is today, Barbados, and those those islands in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Makes his way back to Spain, writes an account, gets it published, um, and then gets another one published the next year. Basically, just his PSA, like, yo, everybody, I found, I discovered that this is not the eastern edge of Asia, like that moron Columbus thought it was. Right. So he puts this out, and most people uh, in the European world were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, like, because they understood um math geometry and astrology astronomy enough to where they knew the earth was bigger than columbus thought it was Mm -hmm. so there had to be if it was land in the middle it was a different place altogether from asia sure so this the reason that vespucci's name gets tagged on to america and it falls into our um well, current our, lingo our whole heritage, like our, and right? everything yeah. that we you know when yeah. everyone whenever someone references america generally they mean the u.s which is i think very interesting but yeah it realistically means north and south america so all of canada brazil argentina yeah. everywhere in between right well the whole new world right, right. exactly yeah. Yeah. and that's the thing is at this time they had been referring to it to it as either the west indies or the new world and right. the new they were pretty much interchangeable the new world especially moving forward until probably about the eight mid eighteen hundreds, they it kind of went out of fashion because it wasn't really that new anymore. Obviously, um, in in European perspective, it wasn't that new anymore. Um, but what anyways, fuck, fuck, get out of here! My cat just attacked me. <laughs> Stop it! 
So, Amerigo, after whom Amer- the Americas are now named and known yeah. colloquially, um, one of his, the two books that he published when he got back that I mentioned, yeah. um, a dude named Martin Walsemüller, he's a German okay. cartographer, he, map maker. Okay. He read these things. He was like, holy shit, these are sweet. Yeah. He's like, these are better than any of the other accounts that I've read from anybody else thus far that has explored this new world. So, Waldseemüller, just sort of like anecdotally, just when he's making his map, which is now, I mean, if anybody knows anything about maps, they know the Waldseemüller map. It's yeah. 1507. It up to this point is the most complete, coherent, and accurate map of the entire world. Well, okay. not just not just uh, the Eurocentric or Mediterranean-centric world and maps that they had up to that point. So okay. Waldseemüller makes this crazy accurate map that shows the entire coastline of north and south america okay and a good bit of the coastlines of the west coast of those two continents okay so it it sort of is the end-all be-all map and he just sort of randomly inserts he just puts americo on calls them the americos just because of course because the reason he came up with this map was because of americos vespucci's uh, accounts of it. Sure. Um, not only that, Waldseemüller published his map with republishings of Vespucci's original books too. So all right. of a sudden, Vespucci's just getting all this press because yeah. a because people are like, Waldseemüller's map is dope. Yeah. Like this is the best thing we've seen. It made it a lot easier to travel safely to the New World. Yeah. AKA make a shit ton of money if you're <laughs> royalty or right. You know somebody like or if you're a trader or you're doing yeah, yeah yep. your thing. So he just kind of anecdotally ends up getting these two entire continents named after him yeah. because of a book that he wrote that frankly probably was not uh like the end all be all of exploration books but at the yeah. time it just he hit it right in that right window when it was fresh enough where there was time to make put your name on things right put your right, stamp yeah. on things because Columbus wanted to call it Columbia because he wasn't conceded at all. Um, most everybody else called it the West Indies because yeah. they were trying to get to the East Indies. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but somehow, through all of that, Vespucci gets his name added to these continents, which now, like in the 21st century, we use the name America even more specifically to reference the U.S. Right. Which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Like, yeah. Our country, the United States of America, is named after some dude from the 1500s who didn't really do anything of special note except write really interestingly about Brazil. Right. Like That's so funny. Oh, and he was Italian? He was Italian, yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. So what I studied for my master's degree was how ideas travel. Mm-hmm. And this is what's so interesting to me is that idea of America has changed over the yeah. years, right? Yeah. Um, and it all started from one dude's, uh, his first name, technically. Yeah. Um, and it's inclusion on a map. Oh, cool. So. Okay. So the funny thing about Vespucci, too, is he didn't really do anything else. He actually went back and stayed in Europe. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, people like Magellan are circumnavigating the globe. and Well, Magellan technically didn't. His yeah. ship did. He died in the Philippines like an idiot. But Well, yeah. From what? What did he die of? He got... He... <laughs> this is one of my favorite passages. <laughs> um, so, basically, 
I can what read you, a bit. What are you of reading? It. I can. I've already finished this. It's called. What's, what's the book? It's called Over the Edge of the World: Magellan's Terrifying Circumnavigation of the Globe. It's fantastic. It's a popular right. history, um, but really well researched. Okay. All um. Right. So, Magellan. Um. I mean, he makes it through mutinies. He makes it through crazy storms. He survives scurvy and all sorts of other diseases. Yeah. Um, and lands in the Philippines and in the Spice Islands, um, which is now like Indonesia. Okay. And he and his crew get healthy. They spend weeks, if not months, literally just coming back from the dead because they yeah. were like 90 pounds emaciated with their teeth falling out from scurvy because they yeah. didn't have any citrus, right? Yeah. So... They're, oh right, they, yeah. They That's, spend all this sense, time yeah. in the. They didn't in, have any IPAs. In and around, yeah. No, they didn't. <laughs> in and around the, uh, they spend all this time in and around the Spice Islands, yeah. um, which is like Borneo and all these places. Yeah. Um, and they settle in with these with a local chieftain, and Magellan loves it so much because like, the people are, that live there are fascinated by these disgusting bearded white dudes <laughs> they're fascinated they're like right. look at these idiots who sailed around the world like let's take care of them a little bit so right um but then magellan has some beef with a with a neighboring tribe and chief um not too far away from the ones who he i think the islands i think it's pronounced cebu it's c-e-b-u i'll look up the pronunciation but basically he's hanging <laughs> out on cebu yeah. everything's good they're getting ready to continue on their circumnavigation because at this point they're only halfway around the world. They're on the other side of the world from England, and he's trying to yeah get all the way back. Um, and uh, well, that's another story too. Is Magellan is Spanish, but the English sponsored his circumnavigation, and they were bitter enemies. Oh, right, for so, sure. Yeah. So that's another. He just, he that's was another a, anecdote I can go he into. He was an entrepreneur, entrepreneur oh, of his sure. time, definitely <laughs> taking money from the enemy and definitely making his dreams come true. <laughs> so Magellan's on Cebu and he he looks over to this other island and he's like, I want to take that shit over for myself. Oh hell yeah! And um, <laughs> it was the, the other island was called Mactan, um, and it was said there was the chief there was arrogant. Um, and Magellan called for him like in a duel sort of sort of way because the chief had insulted Magellan. But the guy wouldn't respond. Um, and so Magellan goes to the native chief that he's friends with on Cebu, and he says he's basically asks him for his help to go and conquer this other island. And yeah. the chief on Cebu is like, "Nah, dude, I'm I'm good. <laughs> but I'll watch. I'll yeah. watch if you try oh, and go do yeah. it. Yeah. All right." So Magellan lands on this island oh of Mactan yeah. with 34 harquebusers, which are is like an early um, rifle. It's an early sure. gunpowder sure. arm, yeah. firearm. Yeah. So there, it's him and 34 other dudes oh my God. against an island of like 1,500 to 2,000 people. Jesus Christ. Um, so he's a genius, right? Yeah. Like, um, he was known, Magellan was known for being really fiery and sort of got out of his depth <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah. Which was one of the reasons that his <laughs> that he had a mutiny earlier, way back when they were still on the Brazil side of South America. So, like, <laughs> how many tens of thousands of miles away he's already had to deal with a bunch of stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, anyways, they land on the beach. Seems like a stand-up guy, you know? I mean, he was crazy in a way that 
it's the only way you would have circumnavigated the globe is if you were crazy at sure. this time. Like, yeah. Well, it's the it's the he was I, smart. He didn't yeah. like he didn't he didn't just go. Wow, we're going to do this. Like he yeah. was very intelligent about how he approached the the endeavor. But he was crazy. Yeah, and he was hard to deal with and hot headed. Yeah. Um. So they land on the beach at Mactan. Uh, the Lord of Cebu is hanging out on his boats, watching it from the shore, or watching it from just offshore with 2,000 boats. Um, I think that'd be me. So <laughs> I think I'd do that. But, yeah, I mean, you know what? I don't know if I, I want really to start a want, Yeah, I don't want to start you know, a war for this white yeah. dude who I'm not a, known I'm not a for fighter. Two weeks. I'm a yeah. lover. Yeah. But you know what? If you want to fight, I'll watch. That's so, cool. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just read this passage um, I, because yeah, I can't. I can't say it any better than the Gotta cite it from, you know, we'll cite the... Yeah. Yeah. So the beach where they landed was very low, so so they left the skiffs very far from the shore. Reaching the shore, they saw a big village in a palm grove, but there was nobody to be seen. Magellan ordered to set a house on fire. As they were about to do so, up came 50 men out of the house where they were hiding, carrying cutlasses and shields, and charged down upon our men, striking them. With their swords. This is, by the way, this is the translation of an actual dude who was there who saw this happen. Yeah. In the midst of this scramble, one of those barbarians struck a member of the fleet with his cutlass, <laughs> slashing his thigh, as a result of which he later died. Our men, wishing to avenge this, charged against the barbarians, who beat a retreat, and as our men were chasing them, they came out of a street towards the backs of our men, as if it had all been arranged as an ambush, and shouting most loudly, pounced on our men and began to kill them. Magellan was already severely wounded in many parts of his face and legs. And even though he's being told to order the Cebuan men to enter the fight, he refused to, to do so. And while he encouraged his people, he was bleeding so much that he dropped down dead. So he literally just got into a fight and got beat so bad he just fell and died. <laughs> so, as the Cebuan people Jeez. rushed forth, um, so finally the, the Lord of Cebu goes, Okay, I guess now we can enter. So these, yeah. these ships land and they, he sends his soldiers on, onto shore. Um, so the Mactanese withdraw, and some of the Cebuans took our men, who were all wounded, and carried them off to the skiffs, leaving 12 of our men dead on the land, Magellan being one of them. And the others returned very wounded with the Lord of Cebu to his land. Oh, my God. What happened to them after that, though? Like what? He literally just took them over and was like, you live here now? To, to, the, to the Magellan's men. Oh, so that's the, that's the thing. Is one of the, this was only one of the boats. Right. So his other boat was just like... They were a little more wary of they're this like, whole we're situation. Like, Peace, we're out. They were hanging out in the harbor and were like, "All right, we're they're, going." They're dead. All right, we're out. Yeah, yeah. So then the 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 second ship, which was the technically the flagship of yeah. this armada, which was only five ships. When you think armada, you think Spanish armada of like right. five hundred ships. Right. Yeah. This is a five ship armada. <laughs> they're down to two. One of the ships, it was like um, armada, entire crew just got massacred. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now there's just another <laughs> ship left. Um, but basically. The way that you learn about Magellan is that it's this glorious thing, and he's the first man to circumnavigate the world. No, he died on a beach on the island of Mactan because he was too dumb to just let bygones be bygones. Yeah. He could have taken his ships were so full of treasure, they literally had to leave some of it behind because the ships were sinking because they were so full of <laughs> spices. They had so many pounds of cloves, tons of cloves, which is what yeah. they were really going for. Yeah. That he they wanted none, him, they wanted to make a lot of cigarettes. Well, him and none of his men would have had to do a damn thing for the rest of their lives, and instead of going home with like going, oh, you know what? 
This is enough. You can insult me all you want. I can just continue on oh and become a king. He would have been richer than the friggin' king of England. Instead of that, he just died. But my question, okay, so my, my question like is, like an idiot, did he? Would how would he have known that he would have been like? So yes, now we know he would have been richer than the king of England. But like, would he have known that? Yeah. Okay. Because they right. had, so he they has had, no excuse. Basically, yeah, they had no all excuse, the, yeah. they had all of the basically they went out on contract, so they would have had to pay back the king for what he put up for the voyage to start. You know, all of the supplies sure. and the ships well, themselves, sh- yeah, ships and probably paying the men and yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, cloves and any spices coming out of um, the East Indies were so sought after. Because think okay, so think was about was that like so that was like during the Silk Road times where you you only had the Silk Road bringing bringing goods right. into so this Europe, was just right? after that period where they finally discovered a, a sea route because right. it's much cheaper and faster to go by sea than by land, right? Well, also people, there's it's less likely that somebody's going to like kill you and steal all your shit, exactly. right? Yeah, I mean yeah. you have to deal with storms and right. lots of ships but sunk because of that. The but unknown sometimes is better than the known, exactly. <laughs> So they had worked out contracts that mm. Magellan would have paid back all of the things that uh, the king gave him and the crown gave him, would have paid all that back plus interest, and he still would have made out like a bandit. And Jesus. he knew it because they knew how, mu- how many cloves they could fit in the hold of the ships. Of course. And, and they knew how, mu- how many they and needed. They knew, and they knew w- roughly what it would sell for, right? So... He literally sailed out going, if we make this voyage, it would be the equivalent of today of um, – it would be the equivalent to, uh, today of someone going to Mars and back and bringing back some sort of resource that we really need. Yeah. And they like go pl- and come plutonium back. Plutonium. And they literally yeah. are instantly the richest man alive. Right. Richest man or woman alive. So oh, man. that's about the equivalent of what Magellan was doing in the 1500s. Yeah. And rather than follow through on that, he was like, hey – I gotta protect my honor, right? What do you think of the beer? It's very good. It's drinkable. Yeah, almost too drinkable. It. Uh, I'm so, glad it's only six percent. Yes, it's a very it's a crushable IPA for sure. Um, this is it's so, definitely juicy. They're for sure using Galaxy in this. Yeah, I think so. So for all of the uh, beer listeners right now, we have a, a Southern Tier unreleased right now uh, that we're drinking. Thanks to uh, I don't even know if I can say who it's from, but thanks thanks to them, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> also, um, so I guess this is like an impromptu ad right now. Um, I'm gonna say it, but I'm also gonna bleep it out. So uh, thank you for to Southern Tier Brewing Company for the new new Juice IPA. It's a juicy Indian pale ale. You know, it's pretty tasty. I'm gonna, these are even low fills, so that's yeah, they're still low, tasty they're low as fills, low fills. I'm going to, yeah, sorry for the bleep out, but it's got to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll drink a, a tasty blue light in between. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Keep it light. Mm-hmm. I'll also, uh, I'm going to drink. Well, do you want to, do you want one of the other one? Do you want to taste the other one too? Sure. Then, yeah. we'll, then we'll do a blue light. Sure. Um, yeah, usually we do this at a bar so we get too drunk and uh, then <laughs> probably wouldn't be able to un- even understand our stories. So um, <laughs> that's crazy, though. Yeah. I just think about, like, for be- all of my bashing of Magellan, though, by the way, he was an incredible person who did well, yeah. something that, like, changed the world 
immensely. Well, absolutely. You know, so, we, he, yeah. the, all the explorers are, are basically, you think about what they did, and you're like, that is a, a tremendous feat. Well, and but the cool thing about Magellan <laughs> is that he didn't like try and perpetrate any genocide. He was literally just yeah. like, I'm going to go trade with these people. And yeah. he was, by the standards of the day, he was just as rough or aggressive as you had to be just literally to survive, right? Yeah. There were some people like uh, Christopher motherfucking Columbus who right. he legitimately um, – there's one story that Neil deGrasse Tyson saying. talks about yeah. that Columbus um, – they knew about um, the lunar cycles, and they knew about you know astronomy and all this. So he basically tells the native peoples on Haiti, he says, give me half of your food stores that you have, which was all of their food stores for the year that they had collected to yeah. get them through the winter. Yeah. He said, give me half of this because he needed to get back to Spain. Yeah. So he was taking it to get for the return voyage. Give me huh. half of this, or I will bring death and destruction down upon you. Um, what a dick. And basically he... he proved to them he scared them shitless by saying in three days time um the moon will become full white right well it's the blood, know, the blood moon will, right yeah yeah and you will know yeah. you will know that my wrath is nigh or whatever yeah and sure well, they've enough, made so many movies about that shit too with right. the aztecs and they're like oh my god the blood moon like, right all... but that was i mean yeah. that's a real thing and it shows off the neil degrasse tyson's already run over this yeah uh, i'm sure plenty of people have seen it but magellan wasn't doing that yeah. Not to that extent, anyways. Not with that big of people. Like, yeah. yeah, he had his own beef with this one dude from Actan, but beyond that, like when they landed in the Philippines, and he died for it. Yeah, and he died for it. Yeah, when they well, landed, at, you at know. least he died for what something he believed in. You know, I guess. Yeah, the cool thing is, is that when uh, his ships got back, he still got credited for it for the 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 completed journey because he was the admiral right he was the yeah. he was the sure yeah the main dude so they they just kept obviously kept his name tacked to it but the the thing that i have that blows my mind is that the 68 dudes on this ship by the way this is a this is a ship that needs like 100 people to crew it properly yeah there's 68 people taking it from the spice islands over to the the east coast of africa down all the way down around the, the south cape back up and two all the way to England. Sixty-eight dudes did this, and like that, it's like the definition of a skeleton crew. We know none of their names. We know like five of their names from legal records because they they obviously had to forfeit all of the things in the hold for um, the for the king for the right? king to. Yeah. They took they took it in at, at the port. You know they took inventory and all of this. Right, and then. That's um, crazy. <laughs> because of the ship that mutinied way back in Brazil. Yeah. Like, you know, 12 months prior or however long it was. Right. That ship went back and said that the other ships mutinied. And so oh. the dudes, the 68 dudes or whatever, I think it was 68. Oh. I would have to look up the exact number. But those dudes who landed yeah. with, with the actual spice shipment, yeah. with Magellan being dead, they come back and they're like hoping just to be received as heroes. No, they get slapped in jail. Oh my so god. So there were yeah, so there were yeah. legal suits against them. Most of them get out. Most of them are fine. Yeah. Most of them don't get their cut of the the, the um money. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. sucks. Yeah, that's and we don't know anything about like their personal lives. And here's Magellan who dies halfway through the trip and we know everything about him. It's the like, king. Isn't that remarkable? No, it's the king though. You think about the king it's always the leader. It's always the leader of the country because he they come back with his ships with his stores and he he goes hey listen i'll let you out of jail yeah but Magellan's, clean slate yeah clean slate yeah. they're like oh my god thank god they're gonna 
I'm, I can go see my family, right? Because right. I haven't seen their family in what? Like three years. Fucking, something like yeah, that. three yeah. or four years. Yeah. Shit, I'd probably take that. Yeah. Right? And then and then you think about it. They're probably thinking, they're kicking themselves. You know, they probably die like a, not even, probably, okay, they probably got paid off. Let's Most, be real. They, pay, they got paid off a little bit. But not nearly not what, what they, they were have. worth, right? And most of yeah. them, crazy as this sounds, as soon as they were healthy again, they went right back out to sea. Of course. Because they didn't that's know anything job. else. That's their job. Yeah. yeah. That's their job. That's yep. crazy. And, I mean, if you think about the statistics of that voyage, and any sea voyage, really, but spe- especially Magellan's voyage. Well, like 23%. <laughs> yeah, something like 20% of the people yeah. came back. So you're going back out into that mess knowing yeah. that you're... One, you're most likely you're the in the eighty percent who are never going to return to yeah. the shores of your homeland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like <laughs> just oh my god. And we think we have it hard today. Like yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yep. my! And my tires are bald. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna one more. Yeah, I'll do a the fog. Oh, can't say it. Ah, all right. This is another uh, IPA that we can't speak of. The un. Spoken hazy juicy IPA. Cheers. It's lunch. Oh, that was your cat. I thought it was somebody knocking on the window. What up, Bella? Yo, Kaylee. Yeah. Bella was ruthless. What do you mean? The first ten minutes, she was like right here, like rub in because we were drinking like, beer. Pay attention to me. She's like, give me the beer. Give yeah. me the beer. <laughs> and I can't. Not. I can't do it. You gotta quit. Because she stopped. She, she hasn't. Well, she's still at, do you notice as soon as I came back with beer, she re- jumped down and started <laughs> coming over here? She uh tried to climb me like a tree. Come here. All right, this is the deep dive, okay. and we're talking about why Dustin has the tattoo on his arm. So it's so, a band around my arm um, that ha- it looks like a, a facade. Basically. It's pretty sick. Um, it looks sick, like sick parvis mag. What is it? Sick parvis magna, which would be the that'd be the magna. Yeah, magna. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Would be the quote unquote correct Latin pronunciation. Magna. Sick. Parwis, Parwis Mania. Mania. But it was so. Peace be with you. <laughs> it means um, greatness from small beginnings. Okay. The literal translation is following smallness, bigness. But okay. I like to say greatness from small beginnings. Yes, I like that. Um, it was the personal model of Sir Francis Drake, who was an English privateer, pirate, and explorer uh, okay. in the mid to late 16. No. Mid-1600s. Mm-hmm. He was basically... He was, like, England's biggest, like... Oh, you've got that, dude? Well, here's Francis Drake. We win. Like, he... Yeah. No matter what, Spain hated him so hard. It was remarkable. But um, he came up from nothing. Pretty much nothing. Like, he was born in in the gutter and rose to become, like, the head privateer of the English Navy. Yeah. Um And yeah, so the funny thing about this is one of my favorite video games is Uncharted, which Mm. for obvious Uh, reasons, exploring and adventure and, and 
Nathan Drake, the main antagonist. Antag- protagonist. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. Uh, pre- wrong prefix there, Dustin. <laughs> um, his he, he has a ring that says sick part of his manga on it. Okay. Um, so it all kind of came full circle when I was looking for a second tattoo. I was like, I love this game. How many tattoos do you have? I have two. Two. I'm going to be adding soon again, though. It's been a minute. So. I don't have any. Which is blows my mind. I I mean I I would always want one, but not cool enough. I mean, uh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta. I spent three years or four years planning this one on my arm, and another. I mean, I, the one on my thigh is for my rugby club. So that one came about yeah. because I had been playing rugby for five years with these dudes, and they were like, "We're going for a tattoo." I was like, "Nice, sign me up." So. I, I always thought about doing my whole neck black, you know, like just okay, dark black, t- you know, whole ring. Why? I don't know. Huh. All right. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> or something like that. I, I know. I always saw a dude had a, a full sleeve that was all black, black. And I, I, that See, was super dope. cool. I mean, I that's, really why my, that. yeah. that's why my but, uh, band on my arm is just black with a yeah. little bit of like shading and stuff I like going the shading. on. It looks but like a just Roman pillar or something. Yeah. It looks like the top freeze of a, of a, on the. Yeah, Pantheon or whatever. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah. it's in that sort of, sort of uh, old timey cracked font. rock. Yeah, and it looks like there's cracks running through it and stuff. But anyways, um, cool. Yeah, that's where the tattoo comes from. Is based all in travel and adventure, and a dude who was a national hero to England, but he was ba- he was just a pirate to everybody else. He was, you know, it's not funny that like. It's either you're like a traveler, an explorer, but it's a pretty fine line between explorer Absolutely. and it's pirate. All about perspective. Yeah, it's all about perspective, and that's what I right. love about history is that it's it helps lend nuance to the conversation. So, yeah, um, knowing knowing if you only knew Spain's side of the story when it comes to Francis Drake, you would think yeah. that he was a terrible human being who should have never walked the face of the planet. But yeah. then you learn the English side. And you're like, oh, wait, okay, he did a lot of really, I wouldn't call him good, really um, a lot of things that made a lot of people very prosperous in England. Yeah. Um, and when, when you, once you learn that, then you go, oh, now I know why the Spanish hate him so much because he's stealing all their gold. Right. Legit, like straight up, just taking over their ships and literally stealing all of their gold. <laughs> like he's one of the main reasons that Spain petered out in terms of world power. Yeah. Um, was because him and people like him, they just, Spain just couldn't keep up, basically. I just saw Spanish ships and was like, yeah, well, they just they have gold. keep up. Go take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of people have a stigma about clipping, clipping your nails. Okay. Is it, if somebody were to clip their nails next to you on the subway or uh, on a bus or something... Is that gross or is that not gross? What is the I think it's just odd timing. Odd time, okay. Do you pick, pick a better time and place? Yeah. Like, it's not gross because everybody does it, but. Lean in. Lean, I mean, lean in. Gross. It is gross? Okay. That's, that's, my, that's my wife, Kaylee. She thinks it's gross. Okay. I, I don't know. It's just an idea. I don't know. So, uh, situation, you know, like. Of, Perspective, you, yeah. Perspective. Just thinking about perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pr- no, it's it's relevant because of uh, 
the things they did back then, we yeah. would think are abhorrent. Yeah, like, today. like you Absolutely. think about somebody Most like on the ship, like scrubbing their feet or like biting their nails oh, or sure. something. You know, like no one would have thought about it. But no. nowadays, you think about somebody like kind of relevant. You know, they're on the bus they're or something. Yeah, you're, they're on an, an airplane, airplane, right? Flying they, over the ocean. And exactly. They, they take their shoes off. Exactly. A lot yeah. of people are grossed out by that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I am not no. grossed up by that. I think that, yes, hell yeah, make yourself comfortable because right. you're in an airplane and it sucks. So the funny thing about <laughs> that is with like the historical perspective of of things that we would think are gross or, or actions or mores that we think are would think are abhorrent, I mean, there are certain things even up to re- pretty recent times that now, like I individually think, well, that's terrible. Yeah. But, um, so for instance, so a lot of people think of Queen Elizabeth the first as like the golden age of, um, English ex- exploration of, and colonization of the new world. Sure. She kicked it off. She was one of the longest reigning monarchs. I think was the longest reigning up until Queen Victoria. Um, and a lot of people were like, basically there was a lot of good press about her sure up until recently when historians started discovering oh wait a minute like they started actually looking at what she did and realized that basically had a full-on delta level doc lockdown on um the press and censorship and things you couldn't couldn't say or print sure about her or about england or about anything to the point where yeah she had there were People um, who were printing things that if they didn't disguise their identity, she would take them, imprison them, torture them. One guy got right. – one specific thing that I know about is this dude um, was in, – in Queen Elizabeth's eye was spreading libel about her, was, was spreading all these bad yeah. rumors. He was just telling the truth about what she was doing. Well, isn't that the keep calm and carry on mentality? That's where it came from. Could be. Was yeah. Queen Elizabeth. Because uh, Canada adopted that because obviously Canada keeps um Well, that's Queen ties. Elizabeth II, right? Yes. Yeah, but okay. on that same note, there was so much. Uh, that's what where keep calm and carry on came from. Was it's like don't make a fuss. Just they, yeah, they they published those as because it was there was it was um, what's that called when when uh when a monarch does that? It's like a um, like a decree, not a decree, but like uh the the publishing of that of false information, um like like Hitler did propaganda like, propaganda yeah. right. So it's propaganda. So it, when she came in, she said keep calm, carry on because that was. Their, 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 form pro- of their, their right. uh, break of the propaganda was okay. Keep calm, a new beginning, uh-huh. yada yada yada. Sure. And then Canada adopted that because they kind of just like hold on to England. Well, yeah, they're part you know? of the Commonwealth, right? Well, yeah, they were. No, um, they are. I, so, uh, are they still? No, I don't think they're. I think maybe they technically <clears throat> are, even though they're they keep they, they have a representative. Yeah, they they are. keep they close ha- ties. No, they have a representative <laughs> in Parliament. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they do. So yeah, yeah they're part of the Commonwealth. But anyways. Yeah. So the first Queen Elizabeth was that, but to a level that we would call torturous now, mm-hmm. because she they, she would have people just literally publishing the out and out truth, the facts of the situation of England at the time of the Spanish yeah. Armada coming or something. Okay, she cut the ears and nose off of a dude who 
dared to print the truth or his version of the truth. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it was because he, it wasn't because he had uh, done anything in, in our, what we would call in our modern day perspective, he didn't do anything wrong, but purely because he broke the law that she had written that yeah. him, him going against the queen and the crown. Broke the law. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, the levels to which punishment went at that time are, like m- miles and miles beyond anything we would deem yeah. it would be cruel and inhumane now you know she yeah. she would of course well, go to prison for her entire yeah. they also used to use guillotines and cut people's right. heads off so so you know <laughs> this is another area where history is yeah. interesting because it gives you you have some semblance of cohesive narrative that you can follow and go okay things really have gotten better because right. they have yes. well they have yeah even if you know right now shit seems bad Sure. It's a lot sure. better yeah. than it was 500 years ago. I don't care. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely. The, for the majority of the population in the world right now, compared to the majority of the population in the world in 1502, yeah. we're so much better off. I, I think it's very interesting. So the house we're currently sitting in is my house, uh, built in 1902, uh, s- still has coal in the basement. Actual coal? Actual coal. Really? Yeah. From when huh. they it was a coal-fed fireplace. Right. And I think about when we were tearing this thing apart, we found so much soot. All, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. So dirty. Just because how, you know, how dirty it is to use that. Yeah. And I think about how dirty it is to, you know, okay, so just to burn it, how dirty it is. Mm-hmm. Um, to handle it. To handle it. To transport it. Mm-hmm. To... D- find it to, yeah, to, to mine, mine it, it yeah. it's like that is such a dirty product you know when when now when, we have machinery obviously so yeah. now we can we can dig and we can just find natural resources that flow and that we can let on fire yeah <laughs> you know, seems, essentially it just yeah yeah that's pretty crazy and so yeah so the, like the period that we've been talking about this whole podcast thus far is all prior to that. And so the perspectives that we're getting from this period, then they're maybe not directly transferable to our everyday life, but they're directly applicable in that we have the benefit of hindsight, right? Absolutely. We are able to look back and see and say, this person or group of people did something right. Mm -hmm. This person or group of people didn't. Yeah. Who do we want to emulate? Who do we want to? How know? can we grow? Right. Yeah. How can we learn from the past? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and that's very uh, indicative of the future. You know, it's it's very like how are we going? Like for sure. But a lot of people too will. Um, I think that's. This might be getting a little too modern, but into in today today's society. But I feel like that's the fear. You know, of when you have a new situation, how are you going to? use that knowledge to grow you know instead of staying i think it's so funny you know staying in the same time or staying Mm -hmm. in or digressing you know it's like um well that's an interesting point that the thing is much like the law of uh conservation of matter and energy right mm, mm. um no matter is created or destroyed it just changes form right right yeah. Um I've heard that before. And all 
all things must come to an end, right? All things yes. return to dust, quote unquote. Sure. Yeah. No, they do. Our current time as well, right? So think yeah. about think about <clears throat> America's been now little full circle here back to america and and Mm, hey (laughs) so we've been we've been a country since 1776 so 100 and what is that 150 odd years right 160 odd years yeah um and so we've been a country no it's 250 numbers are hard i'm a historian not a mathematician (laughs) anyways um (laughs) For a, a tiny we need to, of time. We need to have a, a, a mathematician, obviously, yeah, come right. on board and <laughs> yeah. tell us uh, how numbers work and stuff. Um, so America's been a, a country for a tiny amount of time. And think about all of the changes yeah. that have happened within that time. Now, think about the Roman Republic and Empire. Yeah. That lasted for, let's see, the Republic was, I mean, it's debatable, up 300 years. And then the Empire yeah. was another 300 or so. Yeah. People like to make it easy and say that the Eastern Roman Empire was uh, kicking until the 1400s when the Ottomans took them over. Yeah. So oh, more more or less a thousand more yeah. or less a thousand years. Yeah. We're at 250. We're a quarter of the way in. Oh my God. To the length of time that Rome, in its different iterations, was an empire, and so. Yeah. And and then so you think about that that's a thousand years, and that was already now, if you end in. What was it? Fourteen sixty three, something like that. Yeah. If you end the, the Roman Empire there, yeah. When the Ottoman Turks took over, then it's already not been an empire yeah, yeah. for another five hundred years. So we're not even halfway through the five hundred years that Rome wasn't an empire in the length that America's been a country. So like that's so crazy, yeah. Perspe- that's a coming back again to perspective there, but also the idea that just because it seems like America is the most powerful country now, and it has been for the last 60 to 80-odd years, yeah, doesn't mean that it will be yeah. in the next 60 to 80-odd years, unless... No. yeah. I mean, statistically, it won't be, but... Well, not and, true, though. Statistically, it might be, because if you think about... If you base it on the Roman empires, well, see that's the thing. The Roman empire it will the, be the Roman empire is one of the standouts. That's the problem, right? If you if you compare it to other great civilizations like, um, I don't know. I I like nomads, so like, I don't know nomad like <laughs> like the one man fighting for himself. Oh, okay. You know, uh, yeah, they, that's hard to. It's berries and <laughs> nomads and tend the, to have a hard time building empires. <laughs> Uh, well, they're nomads, so by, yeah, I would by imagine. Definition. Yeah, by definition. But I've all, I'm also I'm I that's my musical thought, you know, coming from the uh, minstrel personality, you know, <laughs> yeah, going yeah. into the you know travel, play music, uh, live your life how you will, and, and right. you know, smell the roses along the way. <laughs> oh, you know what? Speaking of minstrels and and things like that. Let's move into other side of the bar. Yeah. All right. Moving into the other side of the bar. Here with the other side of the bar. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, the history of a a musical item. Okay. So what do we got? Excuse me. <laughs> so uh, I'll start with like my uh, little background too. So I'm uh, I learned uh, first 
classical violin. Excuse so, me. So oh, fancy. Beer burps. Oh, my God. So fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Not the beer burps. Not the beer burps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I learned, uh, or I was, I was learned in the classical verse of violin. Uh, no, I'm just um, so classically trained in violin. Classically you can, trained. You can keep yeah, it easy. That's way better. That's uh, I don't know why I didn't even start there. So I was classically trained uh, violin violinist, and then I hated it. Fucking hate classical violin. It's so dull and boring. And then I learned how to play old time traditional Canadian fiddle. Okay. So I went up to New Brunswick and um, oh really? Yeah, and learned. Uh, went to fiddle camp. That's and amazing. Yeah, so I learned how to play. What did you do this summer, Bobby? Yeah. Oh, I was at fiddle camp. That was That's basically every time I came back summer. <laughs> every summer, they were like, I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's like band camp for I like never fiddle. Went yeah. to camp. Oh, but As you played. Kid. You played a instrument. Played right? trombone. Yeah, played trombone. You never went we, to a band camp. I guess we did in eighth grade. <laughs> of course, now that I think yeah. about it. But it was a like it was three days, and it wasn't. It wasn't like a whole summer type thing. That's a camp, though. It was three, three, three days, days where it was like we were playing music for eight hours a day. I have to pee so bad. <laughs> All right. Pause. <laughs> oh, I got to pee. S-U-C-C-E-S-S. That's the way we spell success. All right. We're back. Yeah, we're back. All right. So what I want. Uh, okay. So <laughs> back to music. So we're into uh this is in the violin realm okay. of instruments. Uh it's called a strovial. Strovial. You ever heard of a strovial? I think you've told me about this. I have told you about it before. Does it have like a phonograph type thing on it? Yes. Okay. So it is basically the mix between a violin and a trumpet or a horn. Mm-hmm. And um I wrote it I wrote it down here. There's some good information here. Um, so Strovial, um, was, I, I actually didn't, so I have a Strovial Mm -hmm. and the Strovial that I have is from Romania and I got it for my wedding and it's, I've never seen anything like it. And it was kind of, it's kind of the, I've, I've been reading up on it and it's an adoption from the original Strovial. Okay. The original Strovial was by um or the Stro violin. Dude's last name was Stro. Dude's last name was Stro. Yep. Yes. So he let, let me try to find his name here. Probably like Okay, hold on a sec. No, it was you it, it's um Mikhail the Strohmeister Stro. It's UK. Oh, really? Yeah, it was made in the UK. Um so here, okay. I'm just going to uh, read. This is Wikipedia's definition. Hey, man. Love me some Wikipedia. The stro violin or the strovial is a type of stringed musical instrument that is mechanically amplified by a metal resonator and horn attached uh, to its body. The name strovial <laughs> refer- uh, refers to a violin, but other instruments have been modified with the amplica- amplification device. Um John Matthias Augustus Stroh. For sure, Germanic. Yes, definitely. To the UK. So Johann Matthias Augustus Stroh. Yeah, yes. for sure, Germanic. It was uh, actually very. It was yeah. You can. Well, that you is can, a like, wonky looking right instrument. Um, 
It was it invent. Looks, it, it looks like a trumpet and a violin got in a car crash. Yes. <laughs> but I love it. Or yeah, if if um, it looks or, like a blunderbuss with strings attached. If a violin and a trumpet tried to bang, yeah. and, and then and they got stuck, then the trumpet was just shoved up somebody's ass. That's what it looks like. <laughs> um, uh, it was invented in 1899. So oh, three, so it's new. Three years before my house was built. It's new. Built. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The patent was in 1899, and then um, they actually used used to use it before um, electronic recordings, right? Because the stroke, so the the violin, the the trumpet aspect of the violin would amplify the sound. Amplify the so sound, you can hear right? it over a further distance. So right. no, when, with phonograph recordings, it would be louder. So you didn't have to like. So with a guitar, right? You have to like amplify the guitar for phonograph recordings. Oh sure. So when you actually use the stro, it would you wouldn't need anything extra to to help you with the phonograph oh. recording. It would it would okay. record so very it was made well. Specifically, once yes, phonographic recordings. I've came also about. this is speculation because I haven't done my research on this, <laughs> but I also heard that it was used in the Civil War from battlefield to battlefield because you could point and you could project it in in a certain oh, okay. direction. So this particular patent from Stroh is 1898? 18, 1899. But. It potentially had been in use for a lot longer than that. I believe it had been. Okay. A, a version of it yeah, had been. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. it's got to be. It's got to be. Well, I mean, like, think, about how long, think about how long drums have been in use, you know, right. millennia, but someone finally yeah. went, ooh, I'm going to come up with a special drum and patent it and make money off it. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. he, this was just, gotcha. Yeah. So, and then, um, but it's it's adopted. Um, so, they, uh, yeah. Is this it used, says, like, today in any sort of folk? folk style music or is it it's of a traditional romanian folk instrument okay so interesting yeah and it's tuned differently though so a normal violin is g d a e and this is tuned i know exactly what that means yeah not (laughs) (laughs) nor anybody that plays okay anyway so that's and the stro is uh it's there's several it, different tunings. It's treble clef though, just like a violin. Treble, yeah. Okay. It's it's just like a trumpet. But anyway, yeah. So that's my that's my little bit of history for uh, musical instruments is cool. the the violin, and I, uh, I like it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was used less and less as electronic recordings because sure. it was course, used in studios. Yeah. They course. used it yeah. primarily in studios to get the <clears throat> get the violin sound in uh, on a record, which is interesting that you think. In the 1900s, when they recorded all these, all these uh, big bands, not big bands, but like, you know, they recorded oh, it folk been music, it would have been a straw. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what that means. Because, like, you think. Uh, up until when? When did they not need it anymore? Once microphone technology got good enough or what? Yeah. So probably. Oh, no, it wouldn't even be mic. Because you can just. 40s, probably. When okay. they had ribbon mics. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, 50s. No, they used phonograph all throughout the four, uh, 1900s, huh. early 1900s. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let me see if I can find this through the my sophisticated research here. <laughs> but oh. no, but that's the cool part when uh, so they started using um, the elements of the pickup right. are yeah, yeah. are actually of a gramophone. So they would okay. take the gramophone 
and they would turn them upside down and put them on the bridge right. so that the resonation the, it mm. was basically the resonator right? right so it would go through that and you could hear it and it would resonate through the horn mm. and then you could also hear it through your own you know right you could hear it off the string but also amplified through the horn mm-hmm. right and it was actually oh. it turned in i think the reason romania adopted it and parts of europe is because um yes there was a patent on it but the small aspects like the um tinkering way of doing it Mm -hmm. made it so that any small workshop could build one sure sure so you could you could take the parts from anywhere and put one together you didn't need a special machine to make a part right so well and the same technology that makes it amplified for recording right will then amplify it for just any if you're playing on the street corner absolutely yeah yeah so it's super fucking loud too so loud yeah yeah i would play it but it's too late yeah fair enough (laughs) maybe if we record during the day we can uh we'll give them a well eventually yeah we're gonna transfer over to like saturday afternoons yeah and that would be perfect yeah um now we we both have to work so (laughs) so cool all right yeah so that's that that's our so that's the other side of the bar that's the other side of the bar yeah all right um do we have anything else? We have a... So I think this has been enlightening. Enlightening, great. From the period just before the Enlightenment. I may have another beer. <laughs> eh. You want one more? Sure. And you all should have one with us if you like. Right. If not, you do your own thing. Thanks so much for listening to the Heavy Pour. Crack. I've been Dustin. Crack one more beer for me. <laughs> What's I've, your name? I've been Skyler. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. The Heavy Pour is researched and written by Dustin Barton, recorded and produced by Skyler Carroll, and edited by us both. Check us out at The Heavy Pour Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or at our website, theheavypourpodcast.com. There, you can also find any citations or corrections we have made. Our intro and theme music were written by Skyler, with photos by ourselves, as well as Kaylee Kirkpatrick. Thanks so much for listening.